0: What's up, guys? Four Corners here. I am one of your two hosts on today's show. He is back. Our uh, main man, Peter, BucketSense88. How you doing? Hanging in there. A little different time zone than you guys, but it's all good. We'll get it done. Cool. Yeah, you're in my uh, old stomping grounds as far as time zones, the East Coast. That's right. The East Coast. Yeah, You could, you could put it that way. You could put it that way. I'm not going to, I'm not going to debate you right now, but yeah. Definitely uh, a lot more humid I'm, than Colorado. Oh, that's, that's for sure. We've gotten some rain recently, actually. Some yeah. clouds. Yeah. Some snow, some hail. I wish all the Nuggets the made it rain day. a little more often. <laughs> I wish they could too. We've got a lot of shooters uh, or guys willing to shoot. Maybe not always willing to, able to make baskets. But um, you can find me on Twitter at, a. have uh, rebranded. You can find me at Ravon Hackshaw. That is just my name now. I felt like it'd be easier to find me. And uh, our smartest friend who is not on Twitter, like a healthy human being, Jared, how you doing? I'm doing okay. <laughs> good, good, good. See off season. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I mean it's definitely, you know, a little bit more time to, you know, explore, do other things. We, um, do you want to talk about the tacos?
1: I do, but I don't, they were that good. I'm going to just leave it at, they were that good.
0: <laughs> All right. Small recommendation. If you're in Denver, tacos, El it's a taco truck on eighth and federal. Yep. And, uh, Maybe the best tacos al pastor I've had in my life. Please go. That was go. a good find, Ray.
1: That was a good find. Don't
0: tell your friends, but don't tell your friends. Make sure they're cool first. Uh, and yeah, they're they're delicious. Very plentiful. They open at six. They're open until midnight. Check them out for sure. Uh, let's get into basketball. Uh, Peter, it's been a minute since we've had you on. And uh, since then, the Nuggets have been extricated from the NBA playoffs by the Golden State Warriors, who, as so happens, are on their way to the finals. Um, where was your head at, basically, throughout that series? And if if you can recall, like, what was your kind of takeaways immediately following? I mean, Jared and, Jared and I were kind of down, you know, a, lo- a, little, a little depressed. We took some walks, uh, some long walks in the park, and it, it took us some time to get back to a point where we could uh, – feel good about life (laughs) it was a heartbreaker for us but how did you feel about it um i felt like relief that was
2: like the main thing
0: relief Um, nice okay
2: yeah it was just not a series i thought we were gonna win um i was really happy that they fought hard to get game four um you know it's not going to be a big deal like in terms of nba history like whether you lost four zero or four one but just like for the vibe of the team going forward i think it was definitely important to show like hey we know we're down guys we're banged up but we're still going to fight to the bitter end so you know it's definitely a reflection of Jokic's chemistry and uh culture and like Malone, you know, his attitude and just the whole the culture of the Nuggets is like, we're not going to quit. So it was definitely good from that perspective, but I was also like relieved that it was over because if you guys Mm -hmm. remember, Jokic was limping towards the finish line in that game. And I was like, the one thing this team needs more than anything is a long offseason to recover. And I was just like, whew, when the clock hit zero, because I was like, okay, I think he avoided major injury. Now the team can finally rest up, heal up, you know, and, and give it a go again next year. And, you know, of course, then we end up learning a lot more in the next few days from Michael Porter and Jamal Murray about like where they were actually at. And they're like, basically finally admit, Oh, we weren't even close. So, we I think a part part of us part a lot of Nuggets fans still had this hope like, hey, if we just can keep extending the series like eventually we're going to get guys back. And it's
0: like that was me. That I, was I had no happen. hope going into like the first two games. Uh, this is not happening. The third game. I'm like, yeah, they're, they're better than us. <sighs> Knowing that yeah. they won game four and, you know, sitting down a i'm in the crowd with other nuggets fans watching game five not at the game but you know at a local bar uh, one of our favorite bars that we all know and um they gave me hope (laughs) in that in that first half and that that through that third quarter they i really felt like something something grew in me like the grinch like my heart grew three sizes in that in that hour and a half i i just uh all of a sudden, I had a little, a little, a little shining light of faith, and um, it probably, to your point, it, they're probably better off not going any much further. It doesn't make a huge difference as far as you know how many games you lost in. And Nikola will have a longer off season, most likely, unless he plays Eurobasket. Um, he'll have the longest off season he's had in three years. Four years, something along those lines. Yeah. So I, I can definitely see where you're coming from.
2: Longest off season since uh, the
0: Minnesota game 82. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Oh, it's been a grind, but uh, I mean, it's been a grind for everyone, but no one is that more true for than the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. yeah. Um. So
2: since then. Can I can I give one positive takeaway? Uh sure. I thought Bones played a lot better in the playoffs than I was expecting him to. Uh I don't know how much of that was like Golden State just wasn't afraid of us and it was like, you know, let him cook whatever, and how much was like he's actually like going to be a big playoff piece going forward. So that was good to see. Yeah. It's you know, it wasn't really big enough sample size to be like I I know I can count on this guy in future playoffs, but it was definitely a better sign than like Uh, most rookies crap the bed their first playoffs right so it was definitely like okay this might be something and then the other thing was you know aaron gordon was up and down but his comments after the series were very encouraging basically him being like i need to think the game better i need to you know improve my mentality when it comes to playing smart basketball so
0: and he grew a lot like i think the first two he grew stronger in that series as it went on and I think that's yeah. important it's kind of like it's not just a how you start a thing it's a how you finish thing
2: and uh, like and in, in a weird sense- way even though they're pros it's like the Nuggets almost needed the wake-up call of like this is what a championship team looks like because I think yeah I think Adam did a pretty good job of explaining like that's like a big takeaway that this team kind of got from that series is like we know playoff basketball is hard but like you have to be crisp and you have to, you know, play every second max intensity to and, and you know, you need all five guys working together to win a championship. You
0: can't just be right. one and or you two need, guys. And you have to be resilient. I mean, ask the, ask the sons. Uh, it doesn't matter how many, you know, regular season games you win or how right. stacked your team appears. Um, you can't just be great to win a championship. You have to be the best. You have to be. Yeah elite you have to be the elite of the elite um and when it's all said and done and the war is over you have to still be standing yeah Uh, so i i think i I agree with you and i think that it's good that they have this sort of i don't think they've had an experience like this probably since uh what you just mentioned the game 82 against the wolves where they kind of got that kind of heartbreak something that you go into the offseason thinking about like this is what I'm going to remember every day for the rest of uh, the summer. Cause I think, yeah. you know, in the bubble. Yeah. Did they get kind of demolished by the Lakers? Sure. But they were kind of already at a point where they felt proud of what they had accomplished. You know, I don't think they were still ahead of
1: schedule at that time.
0: They felt ahead of schedule. Yeah. Right. Where I think this season after the, you know, this past two seasons of not having that kind of success, you know, I, I think is a real motivating factor. And I think it's something important for them to internalize going forward uh, on all levels from coaching staffs to front office, to uh, every single player, whether, you know, you, uh, we heard talks of Michael Malone, you know, he's in guys ears, you know, Hey, this is the time. This is where, this is the off season for all of us where we need to buckle down and um, take it seriously. Cause this is our chance. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think the glass half full take here would be nobody in the national media thought the Nuggets were a contender with the injuries, and they weren't. But we at least know that even when they're not at full strength, the Nuggets still fight. They're still still actually a top half team in the league, which is pretty crazy. Like, that's how good Nikola Jokic is, right? Whereas, like, the Clippers lose their best player, and they didn't make the playoffs this year. And everybody thinks the Clippers are deeper than we are. So that's kind right. of interesting dynamic that Jokic was able to carry this team to 48 wins in the sixth seed, you know, which is pretty much why he got rewarded with MVP, deservedly mm-hmm. so. Obviously, we all think so. Um, so I guess the glass half full is like, this is us at our worst. We're still like
0: a bottom tier playoff team. The hope it is you get the guys back and improve. It kind of raises my expectations in a way where I feel like if you can be a top 10 offense, just having Nicole because I I think they fought in that series. I'm not, you know, but I also feel like I wouldn't say they were optimized, even for the guys that they had, that they were all playing their best, uh, that we got the best performances out of each and every player. It kind of raises my expectations where if you're this good with Nicole Jokic, and a bunch of guys, I feel like fully healthy. I think the goal should be, you know, we shouldn't just be a top five offense. We should be number one, you know, number one, number two, maybe. Um, and that's something that I hope, you know, they should be good defensively as well. I think that's also an expectation that they should have for each other. And I think that some of that is tools and, you know, having the bodies to, you um, just compete, you know, having the wings, having the sides, getting, being able to compete for rebounds and loose balls and challenge shots and, and all those things that, that, that's, that's important as well. Um, But I hope, so I hope they don't go into next season feeling like, Oh, we're already this good, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean,
2: nothing you said is wrong, but uh I think, uh I think I'm ready to share my, craziest take in, uh, our, the history of our podcasts. Okay. It's I'm sorry, but I got to take a turn to negative town. And okay. I, I think that, uh, I think I'm probably the only Nuggets fan in the world that feels this way. And I there, sw- I have no way of proving this, but I swear I had this take before I even knew there was rumors that Tim Connolly was going to leave. I think the Nikola Jokic era, championship window is officially closed
0: (laughs) no yo that is um that's quite the take okay so can i you do you want to react first or you want me to explain i get it in the sense that it's the first time for me as a fan you know and i've been a fan for 2022 uh more than 10 years you know at this point that I felt like maybe the championship is not inevitable, you know, and it's not, it's not, um, and maybe this is kind of what you're talking about, but the most important person I think of in a sports organization, in any sport, it's ownership. Uh, You can can trade a player, you can fire a coach, you can fire a GM, You, you can't really fire, you can't fire your ownership. So uh, and when I think uh, there's just enough doubt in my mind, having lost the the amount of uh, of mental talent that they've lost, having uh, knowing the situation with the way the team markets itself, the way uh, they have supported the players as far as uh, facilities and things like that it it's the first time I have had question marks. Uh, it, I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily, I don't know if I'm at that same point where it's like, okay, this is definitely it's closed, but it's definitely the first time I've questioned it. Um, uh, yeah, but that's lay it, lay it on me, I guess. Tell, tell, I guess <laughs> tell that me why mean, we're never winning a championship.
2: So <laughs> I, unfortunately for you, Ray, I have more bad news because that wasn't even my main reason, even though that's an extremely sound reason. Um, my main reason is, and I'm gonna go through it one by one really quickly. I have I have no I, I'm cool with the front office. I think they've done a good enough job. I think okay. Malone has done a good enough job. You know, we talk about complaining about him X's and O's here and there. He's you know, not as he,
0: him, but he's right. He's good. still
2: a B plus coach. To me, he's good enough to win a championship. Jokic, he's good enough as your number one. I think Murray's okay. good enough as your number two. Fear my biggest problem with the Denver Nuggets. And something that doesn't get talked about enough, in my opinion, I have zero faith in the medical staff at this point. I have zero faith that they're going to get our players healthy and that they're going to put them in the proper positions because let me give you a timeline. So Jamal Murray gets hurt last April. Now he tears his ACL full tear and they say, quote unquote, clean tear, right? It's like, what does that mean? Oh, he, didn't do damage anywhere else well it's still a bad injury right okay projected time frame of recovery nine to 12 months we saw a video of him dunking in was it i believe it was october right so something along those lines yeah so in that's the fall, about winter yeah six months after his injury so my first reaction was okay why is he dunking but then I'm like okay well if he's gonna have to do that he'll be playing soon he didn't play all season. And then he comes out and says he was only 85%. And what do we know about Jamal Murray? We know he is a tireless worker. He's a gym rat. He wants to play. But you can overdo it, right? Jamal's always been like nicked up. And then Jack and McMullen had that story a couple years ago of like, oh, Jamal's almost never 100% because he's always going too hard. Well, whose job is it to tell him not to go hard? It's the organization. So I'm sure there's people that are closer to the nuggets than me. that probably think this is a crazy, stupid take. I'm not Mm in there every day, but it's like knowing his work ethic. It's like, if you have a serious injury like that, yeah, go get your treatment every day, do your stretching, do your PT, strengthen your leg, but you shouldn't be doing it for more than like an hour or two. You should be getting rest and you should be recovering. And so all the stuff he was saying about, like, he'd be sore for like a week after stuff. It's like, dude, you're going too hard. So is it possible that Jamal Murray ends up coming back and being a good player? Of course. And I'm still rooting for it, but I just, I feel like his situation was mismanaged. Then we come to Michael Porter jr. Now the night we drafted Michael Porter jr. Was a very important night in franchise because we got a top talent, you know, late, late in the lottery Right. and didn't play the first year. And then his rookie year, when he played, you know, he showed flashes of brilliance. He hit some huge shots in the bubble. And then the next year he was, he was really good. Um, obviously had a lot to learn. And then he gets hurt to start this year, which was kind of like, okay, now we know this isn't going to be the year he has to have another surgery, third back surgery. And then this is the part that really bothers me that I feel like has gotten swept under the rug that like hasn't been talked about by anybody. He had a Mm -hmm. setback, you know, he was going to come back and then he had a setback. We don't know how severe that setback was, right? Like this guy's had three back surgeries and you, you tell me he has a setback? That tells me that he was going too hard, which is what he admitted also, right? So it's like, why is a guy who had back surgery pushing himself so hard to get back when you know, it's like, he's proven to be fragile. So you guys know, I love Michael Porter. I love his game. I love his work ethic that I can still compartmentalize that and have it be different than, you know, somebody's injury history. And so to me, unfortunately from now on, he's just a guy you can't count on. Like he was talking about how, oh, we don't, I don't think it, you know, we didn't think it was a good idea for me to come back and just stand in the corner and shoot threes. Well, that's what we might be the rest of your career. Like, I'm sorry, but like, that's actually what might happen. And then the third thing is Nikola Jokic getting hurt in that game and then Malone not pulling him out and then continuing to play him on the bad hamstring. And I'm just like, that's when I started to get really mad because I'm like, this is your franchise player. You're not going to win this series. I know you're never, I know you're never say die attitude, but it's like. This is this is Malone's fatal flaw, right? We've talked we've joked about this, but like I'm not joking anymore. You know, why did Jamal Murray get hurt? We've talked about it. He's playing in a sixth game in 9 nights. He shouldn't have been playing in that fourth quarter. So, I've lost faith in the Nuggets medical staff and I think the window's closed and, you know, my one caveat is the window can be reopened, but you know, until they have to nail the off season, nail the draft and hope guys stay healthy. You know, is there a path to it? Yes, is it likely?
0: I don't see it. Do you think on some level it's our, we well are not our, but the team's inability to heed the sort of warnings of the medical community at large? You know, I think it's kind of a bigger debate in the league in general as far as is load management acceptable, you know, on a regular basis? Is... Um, you know, a lot of guys in the NBA players, they have a lot of agency as far as when they play and, and how how hard they want to go. Are you know is Jamal even list? I don't want to say is Jamal listening, but are 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 the are warnings even being sent out, or are the warnings not being heeded? If, if that makes sense, and you know, I think about that as as far as because I I know the medical staff hasn't changed in a long time in Denver. And I do see the pattern that you're talking about. Um, I wonder if it's something that we can just learn from, you know, can, can, as they're all getting older, you know, especially with Jamal and, and Nicola, can they kind of relax a little bit, you know, in these coming seasons where can we learn to like manage their workloads and how much they have to do i I mean i think on on one level it's like hey you should probably have a back i say this a lot i've been saying it a lot recently i think we should have three centers and it's kind of to your point is that i think we should be able to a you want a backup center that's necessary because sometimes you want to be able to take nicole out of the game and I don't Absolutely. think we had that ability this season early on. Uh, nope. But even when two have one, you still can't rest him. Especially when, if, if I loved, I loved DeMarcus Cousins. I think he played great in the playoffs. Uh, I think yeah. he provided a lot for the Nuggets this season. But I think it's also important to keep in mind that some nights he's going to be in his feelings. Some nights he's going to get kicked out of the game. Some nights he's just not going to have it. Uh, yeah. And that you might need a third option. And, and, and on a broader level, if you ever want to, on a second night of a back-to-back or four games and five nights or what have you, let Nikola actually rest and feel like you're not punting the game, Yeah, you should probably have two other centers who can actually play. You know, And I don't think they need to be exactly the same as Nikola uh, as far as play style and skill and all of that. But at the same time, they should be capable you know even if it's just how this guy can he can you can run pick and roll and he can catch lobs and he can dunk and he can rebound i mean that those are just yeah. the basics uh um, yeah and, so and, i hope and, they Ray, can learn those lessons
2: yeah i know it's not apples to apples analogy we we often like to make football analogies on this podcast but it's like if you have a franchise quarterback you damn well matter make sure you have a good offensive line right I mean yeah you saw what how the Colts mismanaged Andrew luck and he has to retire at age 29 because nobody can block for him well, right. with Jokic, you have to make sure you give him an adequate backup so that he can take nights off and so if he's dinged up it's not a question you just be like okay sit him down for a while you know we might go five and five in these next 10 games but you know it's not worth making our superstar play through an injury because we need him healthy for the playoffs when it really counts
0: yeah, I would love for him to hit, like, 70, 75 games sans, like, real injuries, you know? If he could yeah. just rest or, this is, so so that you don't have to go 10 games without him, maybe take let him sit once in every 10 games. Right. I think, especially because the Nuggets are going to be so talented, you know? They have so many good players. I think that they should be able to you're playing the Orlando magic. Do you really need it? <laughs> you know, you're, right. you're playing some of these teams in the NBA. I, I get that. Every, it's all, they're all NBA teams, but well, this year, yes, we lost to the magic, some, but I get your point. Yes. Some calculated, <laughs> that's fair. Some calculated risks um, I, I think would be worthwhile. I mean, I think it's also true at the forward spots, you know, for Mike, I think, they should hopefully have more forwards that, you know, can actually play and feel good about and not necessarily be like, okay, we're going to take Mike out time to play a four guard lineup. Right. I think that that, that too would be nice. And uh, I mean, at for, for Jamal, I think they have having bones, having Monte Barton's under contract. I think they can Get by, you know, a game without Jamal Murray. I mean, I think they've shown that this year. Yeah. Um. So I ho- I'm i hoping that they can kind of learn these lessons and not grind too much in the regular season. I mean, obviously, you want to be competitive. Obviously, you want to win a lot of games. And I think they can and will win a lot of games. I could see them winning 70 games. I guess they feel that strongly. 70. <laughs> wow, I guess you're on Look, the other I, end of the spectrum than me. Well, I, I told you, I, I'm... They are so. They were so good with Nikola Jokic with a terrible defense, and frankly, I found our offense relative to what you could run around Nikola Jokic kind of mediocre. Yeah, uh, and I think I think if you add you add in those things, you know, you get a, a capable sort of uh, flow around him where Nikola doesn't feel like he has to isolate. 20 times a game just to get us by where you can kind of get the other guys going a little bit more where you can get some defense around them where Nicole, doesn't have to bring down 19 rebounds. I mean, I think you're adding back Jamal. You're adding back Michael Porter. I don't, I don't see it as that. I mean, it's a high mark, but um, they should be one of the best teams in the NBA. They have the best player. I mean, somebody who's in that conversation is having the best player. I, I feel like they should be holding themselves to that kind of standard. You know, I don't think they should be satisfied with, I don't know. I mean, mediocrity in any way
2: going forward. They have, they have talent at the top end. That's for sure. But you know, the things you were just talking about, you know, the issues with the backup center and with, you know, Michael Porter, maybe not having a, a lot of depth at his position, is like this is where we screwed up with the back end of the roster. You know, uh we've talked about for years how the Spurs were able to rest their guys, and then their guy, who's like the 10th man, actually plays and he knows the system and come in and they can win regular season games. You know who does that really yeah. well right now? The Miami Heat. Bam, right. Jimmy, and Kyle Lowry all missed like at least 20, 25 games this year they still got the number one seat, you know? And exactly granted, you know, they've got a few advantages there South Beach. You know, guys want to play there. Maybe they get some vet on the min deals and stuff. But I just think that the Nuggets have to do a little bit better job of, of building their depth out so that they don't have to run their stars into the ground the way they have.
0: Yeah, and building it in a way that they, they also work together. You know, whether they're working, like, I, I'm maybe I'm not so I'm not totally opposed to the kind of hockey substitutions as long as they can work as a unit, whether they do that way or, or if they can kind of integrate into Jokic ball, having guys who can come in and and compete, especially in the regular season, I mean I think that's that should be a given. and they have I feel like they have they have players you know I, I think Zeke Naji can play Bones can play, monte can play. Uh, a lot of these guys can play Demarcus can play if he stays. Austin can play. They should be able to build a team and build an offense and build schemes offensively and defensively that I think should work. That's my hope. That's my hope anyway. Yeah. I mean, like,
2: like I said, you know, there's, there's talent on the roster. I do think that it's, you know, it's possible that the window can be reopened, but, uh, <laughs> I, I guess it's just always kind of been a funny, um, funny saying to me, right? Is your yeah. championship window open or not? Because, well, how how open is open? Is the window wide open? Of course not. But, I you know, was, Zach Lowe low famously has this. Zach Lowe has this theory that if you're, if you even have a 5% chance at winning the title, you should go for it. That's pretty high. I agree with that. I don't think we're name, anywhere yeah. near five percent. I think the window <laughs> is basically like closed, but it's not locked. How about that? If somebody can come by and lift it, then it can be opened. But we got to nail the draft, and we got to nail free agency.
0: I mean, I think anytime you have the MVP, you can win. You know, I, I think about that. That yes, we lost in five games to the Warriors, and the Warriors are going to the finals right now. How much better were the Warriors than Denver, really? Like, if Denver was playing at their best. I mean, yes. They, they were, were better, better offensively and defensively. Right. I, I agree. <laughs> That's true. But I think the when I think about the last game, the last two or three games, those games were pretty close. You know, if, if you can not have those, like, first two blowouts – I think that will go a long way. And I think if you are, if you can compete with the Golden State Warriors and you can, if you can beat them in one game, (laughs) if you can keep being close in two or three games, I think you should be able to, if you do all things a little bit differently, you know, if you make some adjustments whether it's roster wise or scheme wise or chemistry wise, what have you, I think the it it's possible. Uh and, and that's what I, I think I'd like them to keep in mind is that like, yeah, if you if you just sort of uh roll the ball out there and everything is the same, yes, you probably lose. But I mean, I think they should be they should still aim high. You still want to aim high for sure.
2: Oh yeah. No, I'm not I'm not saying like give up, give all give up all hope. I'm just saying yeah. I don't I think most Nuggets fans think that like we are now in this contention window and like we're right there. I disagree. Like Michael Malone's press conference was reassuring saying like, "Oh, we, this is the most important offseason in Nuggets history." You know, yeah. basically, I don't know if he said that verbatim, but like basically that's what he's trying to say. I believe he did. And uh You know, how does it start? Well, it starts with us losing our GM. So
0: I guess that can kind of like
2: transition (laughs) into our next
0: That's that's kind of what I mean. It's the complacency. Don't be complacent. You should be trying to get a lot better through all the means that you can. And I think if you do, you have the opportunity to win a championship. But if you're just going to rest on your laurels and say, okay, we're right there. Yeah, chances are you're actually not going to rise. You might be good. You might even be great. You're not going to rise to the level that Right.
2: Because Ray, you know, like this is a Nuggets podcast and I've laid out all my reasons. But the second part of the reason I feel this way is that I feel like the Nuggets missed their window. I felt like, you know, he's he's not uh, as famous a Nuggets reporter as, uh, as some of the other guys. But Jake Shapiro had a tweet recently that was very relatable. He said, man, I missed two years ago when the Nuggets felt like they were a championship contender for 12 days and uh <laughs> you know that really hit home because now I kind of want to go watch those games and like watch how good the nuggets are you know because I'm like I hope we can get back to that one day i don't know if we will but uh i think it's possible you know, the, uh, i think last year that, obviously if we yeah. had jamal murray do we beat the suns i don't know we'd be a lot better and then this year i feel like the title's kind of open like the warriors are good but but they're kind of unsure mean. of themselves not too perfect.
0: you know they so, took a lot it took a lot for them to sort of gel into this Final four. Yeah,
2: yeah and uh, I mean, next year is going to be even harder. The Clippers are going to be back. Celtics are going to be a year older. You know, that's a team we really match up poorly with, in my opinion. So it, it's not just about the Nuggets not being good enough. It's also about, like, I think there's going to be more good teams to, beat, to like, be in the way for the title next year. I feel like a fully formed Nuggets team healthy would have
0: been, like, the favorite this year. Yeah, I mean, and you can never expect that it's going to be easy. Um so yeah. Tim Connolly, man's gone. How do you how do you feel about that? <laughs> Did you uh were you was like I when I when I first heard about it, I was pretty upset and I kind of it's kind of how, why I kind of felt what I felt earlier about the ownership is that I'm not necessarily mad at Tim. He should get all the compensation that he can and he deserves that. And He 110% deserves that. Uh, I'm not saying he's perfect, but it just doesn't bode well for me (laughs) to uh, see the organization lose as many guys as they have. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely bummed
2: out. But at the same time, like, I really want to ask Jarrett what he feels about this because to me, it's like, if something happens to you once, you can feel really wronged, but like-
0: Fool me once, shame on you.
2: Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Well, you ain't gonna fool me again. Like the Cronkies have been notoriously cheap for years. So even though I was initially upset, I can't sit here and act like I was surprised. This is the status quo. This is this is ops normal for, for Nuggets fans.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I get it. There are some, there are organizations in sports that don't necessarily there aren't necessarily the biggest spenders right uh but they have maybe they have a pipeline of talent and i'm thinking more like front office talent coaching talent that sort of thing that for every you know you lose a chris finch you lose a jordy fernandez you lose a wes Unseld, there's like another guy kind of coming in and, and moving up the ranks and that's I, I understand that they want to go this route, but they have to be prepared and skilled in re-sort of filling that pipeline for me to feel confident about it. I mean, Calvin Booth, maybe he's another sort of success uh, on, in this trail of, uh, you know, Masai. I think he might be the best GM in basketball, best president, best front office executive. Tim, I think... Pretty good. Not I mean, maybe he's not not yeah a, a notch below but no nothing just needs that maybe top five top ten something like that yeah and, and um maybe calvin booth can continue to like maintain that standard but hopefully every every time this happens <laughs> it's like rolling the dice i i want to i want to believe that you'll find the right guy and i want to believe that calvin is is the right guy and and maybe he is uh but and truthfully, I feel better about Calvin than I do about the coaching situation. I know that Jordy Fernandez is kind of like the under the underwriting uh line of the sort of news news couple of weeks. But like I see Calvin Booth. I don't know who I don't maybe it's that I just don't know our assistants and how much they do and who is who are those depth guys. But I see the impacts of like I think Chris Finch especially, he's my favorite. I don't want to say he's my favorite, but it was pretty evident what he did in new orleans it was pretty evident what he's done in minnesota you going where are you going to get that back uh, where where's where are the new ideas coming from how do we optimize yeah i don't think know, they the announced anything
2: i don't think they announced anything there yet but i mean i'm sure they'll fill the seat eventually but Jared, i wanted to ask you like what was your anger level when you found out commonly was leaving were you like this is unbelievable or were you just like here we go again
1: uh kind of neither honestly neither of those really it was more just like ah oh, that kind of sucks but i'm i'm not sure where i was I, I obviously i wanted to keep him but it's kind of like what you were saying once once especially once the equity part came out i was just like oh he's gone oh okay it was like almost like instantly moving on it's very understandable yeah.
2: right cuz you knew the cronkies wouldn't match that part
1: yeah, no, and honestly, for for the equity part, I really don't necessarily blame them. The right. part when it when it started to trickle out that maybe if the offer was even competitive, he might be convinced to stay. That that's frustrating. But it's like you said, you you kind of you know what you signed up for when you became a Nuggets fan.
0: Yeah. Did I? <laughs> I sure did. did I know? I don't. I mean, <laughs> I, well, you're I a saw...
1: Ravens
2: fan, so you're used to winning. I guess you, you're <laughs> now <laughs> learning the Nug life. Oh,
0: you gotta call me out. I was I but. Was, to keep I, that I on actually, the I had a question you, for you, you earlier
1: go. that I wanted that kind of would loop back to this as well. Peter, one sure. thing that I've always made the argument for, and I've said it multiple times on this podcast, is well, we can argue about Nikola Jokic resting, but if he wants to play, he's going to play because that's your superstar. He he does whatever he says. If Jamal wants yeah. to push himself in rehab, Jamal pushes himself in rehab. But I yeah, was like, do wondering, people listen? As you, were, as you were giving kind of your point on that, I was starting to wonder not necessarily if they put themselves in this position because I think every team is in this position to some degree, but if the Nuggets almost kind of took themselves this far down the road of, well, it's up to the player, it's up to them, it's up to them. And I'm wondering if that was – and that's part of what made Connelly great is he he trusted his players to make the calls. He trusted his coaches to make the calls, but – it just, when you were kind of laying it out, it made me wonder if that's one thing that we're not quite assigning to the front office and the culture, but is that something that's kind of been created because of it?
2: I think that's a great point. I mean, I guess my initial rebuttal would be like Greg Popovich told Tim Duncan and Manu and uh, Tony Parker to sit down but he also already had championship equity when he was doing that right it's like a cachet. right
1: right it takes a lot of equity to get to that point so I'm not even necessarily saying it's anyone on the Nuggets fault that it happened but I'm right. it does make me curious if if the Nuggets have almost been so player friendly that it kind of came to this point yeah
0: I mean I do feel like Malone kind of has enough cachet to like be bold about things
1: at least with this group, I feel like he does.
0: You know, he's been here for—is this eight years? That Around there, have been here. Yeah, mean, he's one of the most tenured coaches in the league. Yeah.
2: I guess when you're a small market team with no championships, you gotta operate differently because the the main way you're operating is we want to keep our guys. So right, right. Least... I think
1: I think on some level they do have to do it, like you said.
2: Yeah, I I think the glass half full take you know, in rebuttal to myself would be at least Jokic, Murray and Jamal and uh, MPJ all still have seem to have high regard for the organization, right? Like Porter, especially was like glowing, you know, that they let him do this. Cause I mean, yeah. he, he's got nothing to complain about now he got the full bag and they're basically letting him rehab all year. So, I think he's still firmly, like mentally in the fold in Denver,
0: even though we all think he's the guy that's like most likely to be out of here and like want a bigger market and stuff. But he's, and yeah, he's not like a Ben Simmons type guy. I just don't think of him that way. I think he works hard. He he wants to play. He wants to be great. I don't think, I also, I don't even think money was like, I think he had money before,
2: you know, I don't think
0: he was uh, coming from a struggling. And we don't have to worry about him not shooting the basketball in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. Right. I mean, I think he has the confidence in in himself that I'm not really, I don't think he's the kind of guy who would fold under pressure.
2: Nope.
0: Physically, you know, maybe he gets pushed out of the way, but I think he's in terms of effort, energy, the willingness to try, he's going to take the shot,
2: you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the worst part about sports, right? It's a bummer, but injuries can't do anything about
0: it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I would put, So tell me what you think of this. I feel like you can have two of these three things as an organization. Uh, Since you're kind of outing me as a Ravens fan, this is what I've come to believe. You can be cheap. (laughs) You can be loyal. And you can be successful. Yeah, the Nuggets are very loyal. Right. I, I understand it. I can appreciate that. Lots of teams are loyal. I like it. Uh, but they're not cheap, you know. The Warriors are loyal for sure. Yeah. But they're not cheap. Uh, but the Kings, you know, they're they're pretty loyal, I think. For the most part, uh up until recently, and they're not, you know, spendy. And guess what? They're not successful. Uh I think there are a lot of situations where could always be worse right <laughs> yeah these things are pulling against each other so I mean, i'm hoping the nuggets can um we can all learn <laughs> sorry the, <laughs> 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 we can, give me just a second but yeah we can be cheap we can be loyal we can be successful and i think those ideas tend to pull each other pull on each other where you can have it's hard to have all three it's almost impossible and, and i'm hoping that the nuggets can kind of learn from their mistakes in the same way that we all can from whether it's players or coach nicola you know i think he has a lot to learn as a leader and sort of directing the team and i think he can kind of become um you know i talked a lot about where can you find new ideas from like a coaching perspective it would be great if nicole i mean Nicola is one of the best minds in the game i think just asking him and seeing what he wants to do and how he wants to run things. I think yeah. that would be great for him just taking charge of that. Uh, I think Malone has a lot to learn. Obviously we, we you know, he's a pretty great coach and I want to keep him around, but I also think that he can improve on some things. Uh, I think Calvin Booth can learn a lot from the experiences of Tim Connolly. And my hope is that uh, from an ownership perspective, that they can learn from the criticisms and sort of past experiences that they've had up to this point going forward that we don't have to be, you know, we don't have to be a poverty franchise. That's not necessarily true. <laughs> we can do this. Uh, so we've got one more 2nd i am going to take a little bit of a break and then we will be right back to uh, talk about the future. And we are back. So it's the off season for the Denver Nuggets anyway, the finals is about to start, but um, off season time for the Nuggets, thinking about the roster, thinking about solutions. Peter, I'll start with you. Do you have a uh, anyone off the top of your mind who you think of as uh, a free agent you'd like to see come to Denver?
2: I do have a guy in mind that I think is realistic. And let me say that I'm not saying this guy is like going to put us over the top championship contention, but I think for depth purposes, uh, he would make a lot of sense. Andre Drummond. I agree. So Andre Drummond was a minimum level player this past season, started for Philadelphia and he was fantastic backup center for Embiid, uh, And the Sixers had a pretty good bench this year. Then they traded him to the nets and he immediately became their starter because they just didn't have anything up front. And you know, this guy's who he's a former all-star. He was a disaster playing with LeBron, but how many guys we've seen plenty of guys not be able to play with LeBron. Right. Right. Uh, I think he has proven that he can buy into a backup role. He could come in, be Jokic's backup. And he's young enough and durable enough that he can play starter for plenty of games if Jokic gets hurt or just needs to rest. So, you know, it's a guy that in certain matchups in the playoffs, you can use him. And then other times you won't use him and he'll probably be okay with it because that's just where he's at in
0: his career. And I think even publicly, once he arrived in Brooklyn, uh, he said that, you know, this is kind of probably going to be a temporary thing for him. So I, I think that's a great option. one Maybe one of the best, if not the best. Um, I mean I would love it if you keep if you could keep Boogie and Andre Drummond but you know either of those guys I think I would feel good about kind of uh, running them as, as backup center options and, and with Andre Drummond in particular, I think he has the sort of maybe he's not the elite athlete. he may have been at one point, but I think um, you know he can pull down his fair share of rebounds he could he could have I could easily see him having a night where he pulls down 19 rebounds.
2: I think the main difference I've seen between those two, I mean, obviously DeMarcus has the rough injury history, but I just think from a a personality consistency, you have to worry much less about Drummond getting a technical or just like getting mentally taken out of the game. Like clearly cousins has more talent, right? Like he dropped what? 19 points in that elimination game. You know, I don't expect Drummond to do that, but. he's he's going to be more of like a mason plumley replacement is what i'm thinking
0: yeah i think i think that what i what i find that interesting is that like they're stylistically different players where with uh demarcus you can kind of play not necessarily Jokic ball but he can space the floor he can pass he can distribute and he's not necessarily an elite rim rolling threat where drummond absolutely is that he he does have the sort of I th- actually think they both play pretty good defense. You know, I was pretty yeah. impressed with Marcus's defense this year, and I think Andre would be able to do enough rim protection as well. Uh, but as far as like rolling to the rim hard and you know dunking and getting a large amount of rebounds, I think that's that's a pretty simple. It's simple, you know. I think a lot yeah. of people are underrated, but it's super valuable, especially in the grind of an NBA season. Uh, so, but yeah, I don't be know a what kind of
2: he's going to get. But yeah. I, I would be totally fine if the Nuggets give them if offer him the the biannual exception, which is nine. nine I think million, it's like million?
1: five million or something. I thought it was like that. four and a half or five. I think so. Oh, yeah, okay.
2: but like I feel like he played well enough this year that he's going to get more than a minimum contract. So
1: right, right. If he's like yeah, the I one free agent
2: we get, I'd be fine with it.
1: If we can have both, that would be so good. I so I was gonna say though I don't think we could have both I don't think either of them would sign if they had an idea that the other was gonna be there, right? Andre wants to play yeah, still I don't think he's young I enough. Demarcus don't think that Cousins. Would make sense. Demarcus Cousins was throwing tantrums on the bench for getting pulled for Jokic Ray. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't see that happening. But ever. Malone is
0: his guy.
2: The third center is either going to be a rookie or like just a guy that's not proven. Like I know the Kings had Damian Jones as like
0: their third center. I was like, wow, this guy's yeah. pretty big, you know? Yeah, that's most likely. That's fair. That's fair. Um, if you
1: if you personally could go talk to Marcus Cousins into being a third center, I'm all for it. <laughs> I just. <laughs>
0: He, you know, the rest will be frequent. The uh, you will have light, light duty on the regular season. You know, he can go play Eurobasket. It'll be great. <laughs> oh my God. But, that'd um, be hilarious.
2: What if they bring in DeMarcus? Hey, you get to start the first two months of the season. If you play really well, then we'll
0: trade you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, also, just, I just think like the championship that's likelihood goes intrigued. up meaningfully. <laughs> um, and I think that's a lore. For both of those guys, you know, looking at having Jamal back, having Mike back, knowing how good Nicole is, I mean, I think there is something to the Nuggets kind of being one of those teams that's going to be a title contender. And there aren't that many teams. You want to go join the Lakers? You want to go join.
1: Uh, You're already know. on the Lakers.
0: Exactly. That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> I don't. There. How many places are there that are like better situations than Denver? I, I, I can't say. Yeah, um, we'll see. I'll throw mine up It might end up
2: being in a game of musical chairs where he looks around and then is stuck yeah. coming back to Denver, who
0: knows? I like Wes Matthews. You know, as a guy, yeah, oh, I know. I'm not saying it's too he old should for me. Th- a third string. This is like a third string yeah. edition. Uh, okay. If you want to have a veteran, you want somebody who, I don't even necessarily need him to play in the regular season. Uh, if you want to put him in bubble wrap and just say, you know, come playoff time. We want you fresh. It's a guy who I would be okay with you bringing in. He has a little bit of, he was a little bit more size. It's not like a Bryn Forbes move, right? You know, right? We'd have to, we'd have to
1: also get someone else that's the same position, so it's not like what happened with Jeff Green, where it's like, ah, he's gonna play twelve minutes, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're starting.
0: He's not. I'm not signing him. I wouldn't sign him to be the backup. I would sign him explicitly to be like in that ten to fifteen range on the roster, where maybe he's not playing every night, but you do have that capacity of, like, of trusted veteran who you know can yeah. provide you good minutes. and, and Yeah. Uh, especially, I, you know, I don't if, hate it. if you draft yeah. a wing, you know, if you draft a guy in that 3-2 sort of mold, um, and, and that guy can absorb the bulk of the minutes, but then you have Wes in case of you want, you want to break glass in case of emergency, cool. I'm good with that. Uh, I think the hard thing, Ray, is when you're looking at minimum
2: guys— yeah, you're usually going to get a guy that's either one on his way out of the league or two looking for a better situation. And I personally just think that Milwaukee is as good, if not a better situation, you know, small market team, superstar, good culture. I feel like they'll just want him back and it'd be easier for him to just go back than you know, unless he'd rather live in Denver or something.
1: Yeah. It's, they I like think either, I, though. I agree. I think it would boil down to if Milwaukee wants him back or not more than how much Denver yeah. wants him. Right. Yeah. I but mean, if I they don't, it's an option.
0: Because, like I said, they let P.J. Tucker go. And uh, I would say he, too, was a guy I would have expected them to keep, but they didn't want to. Ray, I also need to throw in one last piece of personal bias
2: against him. You definitely <laughs> won't remember this. But okay. Wes Matthews, when he was a rookie for the Jazz,
0: absolutely killed us in the playoffs. So, yeah, I don't like him. He did. He, he also, he you know, oh, he and Jamal can both do the arrow thing. So that would be fun. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, Jared, I'll throw it to you, the free agent ideas.
1: Um, I was thinking, I don't know how many other teams will give him offers. So this could be off the board right away. But I like uh, Troy Brown Jr. as a younger younger guy that's kind of not in the good graces. So I don't think he'll be heavily recruited by other teams or given huge offer sheets. But it's possible he could just get out of the Nuggets' price range. But if he kind of slides till the fourth, fifth day of free agency, that's someone I would I wouldn't mind pulling in as another actual wing, not kind of in that three-two mold, not four or five. Yeah, right,
0: right. He's six-six, two hundred fifteen pounds, mainly plays small forward. Yeah. Um, on the Wizards, At, the Wizards are. An yeah, I was gonna team. pull out.
1: I was gonna pull out your Wizards fandom for a minute here.
0: I'm not a wizard. I've never been the a Wizards? No, he's a Bulls. I just want to make it. I just want to make it clear. Oh, okay. Uh, drafted by the Wizards. Sorry. Drafted by the Wizards.
1: <laughs> I just want to make yeah. it
0: clear. I, I've never been a Wizards fan.
1: Okay. I'm gonna keep calling you one. <laughs> Please don't.
0: <laughs> if they move back, to, if they move back to Baltimore, I'll think about it. But yeah, no, not in my <laughs> lifetime. Uh,
2: yeah, but- Troy Brown's always been a guy who's like. He's got the measurables, right? And you're like, why can't this guy put it together? Oh, right. let's take a flyer and a flyer on him, you know, he'll work out for us.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's why I like it for the Nuggets situation, because let's take a flyer on him to be yeah. fifteen to seventeen minutes a night, not a young team trying to turn him into a starter.
2: For I do sure. love
1: buying low and having low expectations, you know? Yeah, that and that's, and that's, and that's really one big. I could see having some upside, but if it doesn't, it's still you're not in a good position in the worst place right uh speaking of the wizards though people have talked
0: about it kcp well he's not a free agent but yeah i'd love to have him yeah right that
1: in. that's like everyone's dream barton swap right
0: yeah yeah i mean it's funny i'd be this is just me <laughs> as well i i want Hachi more i know he's had kind of a disappointing kind of low skittish start to his career but i kind of think similarly. Kind of a guy you've you You'd have to give up Bones or Zeke or Monte
2: in that trade. Yeah, I they give seem to Zeke. like
1: him more than more than a lot of fans do. Cause I also really like Rui Hachimura. Yeah. I could give up I could give up Monte or Zeke, to be honest.
0: Yeah.
2: I think um You're my without language, like right? having any <laughs> without like having played on the trade machine or having any deals ready to go, I really think that uh, we're probably gonna end up acquiring a rotation piece via trade. You know, one that we don't really see coming, but that once it happens, it'll make sense. Like, I know Blackburn keeps talking about the Hawks are going to blow it up this summer, so they've got Bogdanovich. You know, obviously he's friends with Jokic. Um, You know, maybe we end up making a deal with the Hawks at some
1: point. Maybe Gallinari gets bought out. That'd be that'd be quite a bit going out to get Bogdanovich though, because he's what at twenty two million now. Yeah, that'd be interesting. interesting. It's funny he got a decent contract. He's. And we're talking he, about. I mean, spending. you
2: can you can definitely build a trade around Bogdanovich and Barton. I don't know if that makes us yeah. any better.
0: Yeah. Um But that, the Hawks have spent a lot of money. Yeah. Like speaking of people willing to spend, uh, Gallinari makes twenty-two million dollars, I think, on that team. Yeah.
2: You know what? It's I could more, also see happening, long. Ray. The, you know, I could totally see it where. What if Calvin Booth doesn't do the typical GM thing, which is like, oh, I'm brand new. I want to make a splash. What if he actually holds on to his chips? Will Barton starts off the season really well, like he usually does, and then he trades him at the trade deadline for help. Wouldn't that just be ruthless? That would be like so anti-Conley. It
1: would. That would be very anti-Conley.
0: Well, would that be ruthless? I mean, I don't think yeah, I
1: don't know if it'd be ruthless. It's
0: too late. It's too late for it to be ruthless. (laughs) It's kind of
2: due. He's he's never had a playoff run with like the fully healthy roster,
1: you know. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I don't think it'd be more ruthless than shipping him off in the offseason, because no matter what, if you're sending Barton to a non-playoff team when he's been trying to have a good playoff run for four years in a row guess i guess, I guess just the one
2: i guess the one reason i'm looking at it this way jared is unless there's an obvious move unless there's an obvious upgrade you can make this off season mm-hmm. i kind of like that you know what bill Simmons has said on his podcast for years is like you don't have to make your team like set in the summer right because like Memorial will make trades like at weird times of the season yeah it you is know, better. you can hold on to your chips and then wait to see what other
0: team situation changes and then now all of a sudden somebody's available you will have like a chemistry benefit to having a guy over the summer though, you know, being able to take a guy training camp and kind of integrate. Sure. Him and uh, I think that Definitely. that's meaningful, but I'm kind of past the point with Will, to, like we're trading him in any sense is cruel. Okay. Uh Trading him two years ago, might've been cruel, but at the same time it might've right. been right. Uh,
2: yeah.
0: I also wouldn't mind so, keeping it. Like I, I, I don't, If we traded Monte and not Barden, I think that would also be fine.
2: All I'm saying is if you make a move this summer and it doesn't work right away, then you're Mm -hmm. screwed. If you hold on to your chips, at least there's stuff you can do later. That's why I'm kind of looking at this draft. like, Unless there's somebody we absolutely love, I would kind of like to see us just trade the pick for a first round next year. That way we can either target somebody else in the draft next year or have that extra piece of ammo if we need to go get somebody at the
0: deadline i would not like to see them not have you know i'd like to see them address the issues (laughs) you know if they don't have the same if they have the same like four rotation guards i would like pretty upset
2: well yeah i mean but this has been your thing for a while it's like who are you going to be? Are you going to be a contender? Are you going to be this team developing all those young guys? I'm like not, finally. Young. I pushed back young, for years. I'm finally young. with you. Like I don't think we should keep bringing in more young guys to develop. Like now, those end of the roster spots need to be vets.
0: I would be open. It to, well, I think it depends on the role also. Where if they brought in like an Australia, like an NBL player, uh, who yeah. maybe he's 24, 23, whatever, but he does. Things that aren't necessarily. There are guys who come to the league and they can play defense. You know, there are guys who come in the league and they can rebound, and they can be physical, they have that sort of mentality and the physical tools. Those things I think you don't necessarily need all the seasoning in the world for, if that's like your bread and butter. They might need seasoning yeah. offensively, uh, and that that might be true, but I don't think we need like more players who are offensively polished in that way i feel no, like Malone and Jokic have, have run out of patience on developing
2: guys at this point
0: yeah well it's yeah it's win win. Kind of true i mean what does that say about zeke well i think he's he's got the trust though
2: i he to me it's it's all about injuries with him like i think i think he's ready to be a contributor like
0: i'm, I'm cool with him being like the backup before i would love to see him play small forward some it would be great. I would appreciate it. I think they, it could be work, yeah. it could work well. Uh, but I still, I feel like with Jim, but Jim Michael's still here. So that's also the thing that I'm like, okay, are you going to pay $9 million for a, for a third string big, power forward? See, I think they can play together. I think you can play Jim Michael at four
2: and then Zeke at three. and MPJ on that bench unit. And then if you have Jamal back to run that bench, I think that's really going to open up the spacing and help Zeke too. So,
0: I think Zeke can have a big year. I think he can. I think playing down in the word—down a position will be good for him. Yeah, I think the, the big man. He played version, great
2: next to Demarcus, right?
0: Uh, I think they both played better next to more size. Yeah, sure. Um, but I think the thing with him is like the big man version of Zeke is not that good. Right. Like the, when I, what I, the, the version of him, I, I like, is he projecting like what, how big, he's not that big. He, he's not that powerful. I mean, he can space the floor. That's, yeah. This Darrell Arthur. Like I, I like Darrell Arthur. Darrell Arthur is a good player, but I think if you can play like if the more, the, the like lower down, you can play, you can play on the wing, especially given that his strengths are already sort of perimeter oriented in terms of, defense and shooting i mean yeah he would instantly become like not just like oh you know he's kind of an okay player to like oh he's immensely valuable um yeah he could be he could be one of those like robert williams marcus smart type guys you know maybe they're a little maybe a little bit clunky on offense but you know they improve your defensive flexibility in a, like an immense way so i'd be interested yeah zeke's an interesting situation for sure
2: yeah And the Nuggets need guys that can defend, and I think he's proven that he at least has the right mentality that he knows he's going to be on the floor, mostly for defense. Right.
0: Right, right, right. Um, Cool. I think we should probably wrap here. We've gone on a little bit long, but that's okay. Uh, But before we head out, did you, uh, Peter or Jared, did you have any parting shots for us? I think Peter said he had
1: one during the break, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I want to squeeze in one last take here.
2: Okay. So this is like Crazy. a, a mix, mix, mixed emotions take, but so as upsetting as it was that Tim Conley left, you know, and then of course the whole Masai leaving got brought up again, like, Oh, the Nuggets owners are cheap. The one good thing is at least the Nuggets are losing guys because they're doing too good of a job, right? They're getting hired away. It's better than firing somebody. So, yeah. Let me make an analogy real quick. So I don't know how much you guys call uh, follow college football, but completely different structure than pro sports, right? Way more teams. The best conference is the SEC, you know, teams you've all heard of like LSU, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida. They have like the best coaches, you know, cause they could pay the most. And they often hire coaches that are at like lower schools, but a lot of the lower schools they still have big time tradition and they still have winning programs. Mm -hmm. One is I think about is like Boise state, um, you know, Colorado fans will know that like, you know, back in the early two thousands, we hired Boise state's head coach didn't end up working out, but everyone's like, Oh, what a blow for Boise state. They lost their head coach. Well, guess what? They just replaced them with a better coach. So Boise state is like this really good program, but they're not on the highest level. They're like lower tier. And I guess I guess what I'm saying is I feel like the Nuggets are like the Boise State of the NBA. You know, we're not big time, but uh, we're a yeah. program. You know, we're we're the cute little engine that could. And the big boys just come in. You know, the L.A.'s, the 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 New Yorks, the Miamis and the Minnesotas of the world. They just come in and they take our guys. The, yeah, the I mean, I think Minnesota's like you, the
1: big boys. You keep your core together, yeah. you, know,
0: I, I
2: think, right. you know. That's right. That's what's sad. We're now losing people to, uh, you know, the
0: powerhouse Minnesota Timberwolves. But if you can sort of continue to have that pipeline churn out talent, I mean, I think it's not a problem. So I, right. I see where you're you still
2: from. have to pick up the pieces and move on. You can't just be like, oh well, now we give up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're still, you know, we're still playing. I'm still going to watch all the games. I don't want you to give up. Please don't. Uh, so
2: I would like yeah. to not be a stepping stone NBA franchise, but you know, that's the hand that we were dealt.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it would be nice. Uh, cool. Well, I think that's it for this episode. We uh, appreciate you listening, We appreciate, especially over the summer and the offseason. We're uh, going to come back soon with uh, a few more episodes, going to talk about some, maybe some offensive options for the Nuggets going forward in terms of scheme. Uh, maybe talk about the triangle. Maybe talk about uh, some things that other teams have done that maybe that would work better or worse for the Denver Nuggets as currently in construction. So uh, signing out for Peter, Jared, Ray, as always, go Nuggets and have a great week.